book of John this evening, and we're going to be uh, in verses 19 through 51. Last week, we uh, Daryl took you through verses 1 through 18, so we're going to pick up uh, at uh, verse 19 and go through to verse 51. So first, let me pray. Father, we come before you this evening, and we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for this place. And Lord, we just, we just uh, thank you for the ability uh, to come before you and hear your word, Lord. Open our hearts and our ears and so that we may learn and, and understand what it is that you have for us, Lord. Thank you. And also while we were before you this, this evening, Lord, I just want to lift the Martinez family to you, John Martinez and his family, Lord, uh, have a, a real struggle going on there, Lord. And, uh, you know, um, we should never give up. Uh, we pray and we lift his family to you, Lord, and we trust you. We trust your will and your justice be done, Lord. And we just never give up, Lord. We just never give up. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now then, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So, Lord, we pray and we lift them to you, and we have faith in your good judgment, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be, again, in verses 19 through 51, John chapter 1. Let me start by reading the text. We'll start at verse 19, a voice in the wilderness. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, when do you, why, why, do you, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethbara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 
and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. The first disciples. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. And I'm told that's about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the one of the two who one of the two heard John speak and followed him was was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own he found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas which is translated a stone. Philip and Nathanael, the next day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, there's a lot going on in those scriptures. There's a lot of stuff that has happened during, those script, during that time. Um, these verses are a concise chronicle of the first days of our Lord's ministry here on earth. And some, some, uh, some scholars that, are, that I read about this, they call it a week, a, the week of witness and, and revelation. Because that's kind of what goes on. We have John the Baptist and his heralding and testimony. And then we also have the first testimony of Jesus himself. Last week, Daryl studied verses 1 through 18, which clearly delineate who Jesus is and what his purpose is. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is only the begotten son of the father. Full of grace and truth. 
pretty clear who Jesus is. I think the word is Emmanuel, God among us. It doesn't get any clearer than that. He was the word and he came, he came and took on flesh and was with us. And then in John 1, 6, we find out who John the Baptist is. John 1, 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness to that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into, coming into the world. At the outset, John the Baptist is tasked with being a herald and a witness of the Messiah. We can't begin this study without understanding who, the, who John the Baptist was. His ministry was relatively short, at least on a human time scale, his ministry was fairly short. But he did mighty things in the name of the Lord. So we can't really, it wouldn't be fair not, not to do this study and not take a look at just who John the Baptist was. So let's go over to Luke, 51, uh, Luke 1, uh, verses 5 through 19. And let's read that scripture because I could tell you who John the Baptist is and try to remember all the things about him, but Luke does a good job at it, so let's just read the scripture. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now let me stop right there for a minute because that's, it's not a big detail, but it's, it's, significant, it's significant in the sense that there are some themes from the Old Testament that follow through that help, um, for lack of a better word, prove the infallibility of the, of the book of God. Now, the reason that Zacharias was lighting incense, which is a fairly easy job, his job was to go in and get the candles lit and get the get the uh, incense going, was because he was advanced in age. Now, if we look back over in in Numbers, um, the eighth chapter and the fourth chapter, I believe, God tells Moses the ages that men should enter service, enter into service for the Lord. And where it should not stop but change. And the age is like 25 to 30 and like 50 years old. So when you're 25 to 30, you can lift that bell, tote that barge. But when you get to be 50 and older like me, it's not that easy to do that stuff. So keep that in mind about Zacharias. That will come up again later. Uh, and the whole multitude of the temple was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, 
for your prayers heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make a, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. So this is John the Baptist. And you can think about John the Baptist and the parallel of his birth with Jesus. Gabriel, the same angel, Gabriel announced to Mary that she was going to bear a child. Also Elizabeth. So their births are close, not quite the same, but close. So it gives you an idea how important John is and, and what, what role he's going to play. In this setting in the book of John, it has been 700 years since Isaiah in 40-3 prophesied the coming messenger. It says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places made smooth. It's been 700 years since um, Isaiah gave that prophecy. Malachi, who's the last prophet in the Old Testament, it's been 450 years since his prophecy. And his prophecy in 3.1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, of, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So it's, it's been a long time since those two prophecies were given. And no other prophets have spoken. So we fast forward to the birth of John and Jesus. I think John is about six months older than Jesus. It's now 30 years after the birth of our Lord and the birth of John. And you've got to keep in mind they're cousins. They're actually cousins, right? Elizabeth and, and Mary are cousins. So John and uh, Jesus are related. And I know you all know the uh, story of, and the recount of um, Mary going to visit Elizabeth and John turning and leaping in his mother's womb. Well, it said he was filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So I can't figure that out, can't imagine it, but the baby John knew that his Lord was close by. Okay? All right. 
And that's over in Luke 139 through 45. But we won't go there. But I'm sure everybody knows that story. The man Jesus and John were both extraordinary individuals. Their births were both announced by angels, both by Gabriel. And the fact that John and Jesus are about 30 years old is significant. Now, I mentioned before that uh, Zacharias had reached the age in his service where he wasn't doing the heavy lifting anymore. He was lighting um, incense. Well, a lot of people have said, well, why did Jesus pick up his ministry at 30? What, what was it about 30 years old? Well, there's no, there's no uh, happenstance here. This is, this is the truth of the Bible. This is God's word playing all the way through at every step of the way. He doesn't miss a beat. He doesn't get anything wrong. And he never, he can only tell us the truth. And this is an example because Jesus and John are now 30. And guess what? Back over there in Numbers uh, 4, uh, 23 and uh, 8, 22, God tells Moses to go tell the young men, the priests, that the age that they should begin service is between 25 and 30. So John and Jesus both are picking up their ministry at the, at the age that the Father directed them to do it. It didn't just happen by, by chance. And you also got to understand, too, that the Holy Spirit is moving on them both and telling them what to do. So if we stop for a moment, we can ask ourselves, you know, do we listen when the Spirit moves on us, when the Spirit convicts us? Do we pay attention to what, what's being said? I'm just asking the question. I'm asking myself that question, too. It's If you're 30 years old right now, it's a good time to look over you. I'm looking at you, young man. No, it's a good time to look over your shoulder and say, well, what have I been doing for the last 29 years? I don't want you to get to be, I don't want the youngsters out there to get to be 65 like me and look over your shoulder and go, what have I been doing for the last 30 years? Because I've got a lot of makeup work to do, and I just hope the Lord will allow me to do it. But take stock in where you are and listen to the Spirit when it convicts you. Up to this time, John has been living in the desert and, be, and uh, began his preaching. Over in Luke 1.80, it says, that, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. That's in Luke 1.80. In Matthew 3.1 and 2, it says, In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, preaching, repent for the kingdom of God, or the, king, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so John is now picking up speed in his ministry. Everything's happening on cue. Luke, 51, Luke 2, 51 and 52 tells us that for about 18, from, from about 18 years old, Jesus grew up in Nazareth, working as a carpenter until his meeting with John the Baptist at the Jordan. And we know the story about Jesus when he was 12, 12 years old, I think. Um, and he kind of got separated from uh, Joseph and Mary at the temple. And they wondered where he was. And he told his mom, he said, didn't you know I should be about the work of my father? He's in there talking to the, 
to the uh, rabbis and probably the Pharisees and Sadducees too, telling them what for, you know. And they were probably looking at this 12-year-old going, wow, well, they, they were. But we know that story. But this says here in Luke, he says from about 18 years old, he was working as a carpenter until his meeting with uh, John, the, John the Baptist. Now, so I think what in the Bible it says that he was, he was honoring his mother and father. He was helping his dad in the business and doing the things that a good son should do. And he grew in stature and, and wisdom amongst men and, uh, and God. Then we get this reaccount, recount in Matthew 3.13. This is the meeting of John and Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him and said, Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So, Jesus and John meet up in the desert. And over in our text, John the Baptist makes it clear Several times he said, I didn't know who he was, but he who sent me said, watch for these signs and you'll know who he is. But that's not to say, you can't say that Jesus and John the Baptist didn't know each other. They were cousins. And everybody knew Jesus' history. They knew who Jesus was. They knew what his, who, about his birth and the things that happened at his birth. And... People knew John the Baptist, too. They knew the story of John the Baptist and his birth. So these two cousins, even though they kind of parted ways a little bit, one goes into the desert and one stays in Nazareth being a carpenter, they knew each other. So when John saw Jesus coming in the desert that day, he, he had an idea. He thought, there's my cousin. I think he's probably the Messiah. But, I, but like Jesus said, I better be obedient. And Jesus said, we better be obedient and do what, exactly what the Father said. You baptize me. And let's see, let's see the Holy Spirit. Let, let's, let's play this out like it's supposed to be. Yes, sir. So then he probably didn't know that that was really his cousin from all those I can't say. I can't say, but, but, I, but I, I think it's reasonable it's reasonable to expect that they knew about each other and they probably knew one another. All right. So again, I have my note here to remind us that they're, they're cousins and they know each other. So let's stop for a moment and think about this in a life application. This is a wonderful example of the truth of God's promises. When he, we think he's not listening or aware of what's going on, he comes on the scene with all the details worked out. He, from the very beginning, none of this stuff is happening by accident. Jesus just didn't show up in the desert and, and John the Baptist happened to baptize him. It was all planned. 
The Father's hand is at work here. And so in our own lives, a lot of times we, we, we go on about our lives and we forget. We forget about the prayer that we had or the issue that we raised to God and we think, well, maybe, maybe God's not listening. But he is. And I know there's some of you out there where that the Lord has come on the scene in your lives and worked out all the details because he gets it right. He doesn't make any mistakes. He gets it right. So let's look then at these these scriptures. Uh, I said they were a a recount of the first days of our Lord's um, ministry here on earth, the first days. And you can kind of break them into, into groups. And I have them broken out by day one, day two, day three, and day four. And we're going to look at it that way. Day one would be verses 21 through 28. And in, in, in those scriptures, a delegation is sent to interrogate John the Baptist. Day two, verses 29 through 34, John's testimony of who Jesus is, the Lamb of God. In fact, he actually does that a couple of times. And day three, actually our, our, Lord, our Lord's uh, first words, and actually the first gathering of the uh, apostles, the first ones. And then also at the end on day four, uh, we actually have Jesus' first, his actual first testimony of himself and what's going to happen. So let's look at day one, verses 19 through uh, 22. And they asked him, what, are, what then are you, Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. They said to him, who are you, that we may give answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Okay. Now, I say again, let's understand that some things have already occurred when this, these interrogators are questioning Jesus. So some things have already happened. John has already seen and baptized Jesus. He's already baptized Jesus. He's already seen, bless you, he's already seen the spirit light on Jesus, if you will, and stay. And remember what happened when Jesus came up from that baptismal. The spirit led him away into the desert. So Jesus has, has gone into the desert and come back. He's all that's happened already when, when this interrogation takes place. So at first these questions seem like, wow, these guys are giving him giving John a bad time. But they're really not. Because remember, as we said at the beginning, it's been five hundred years since the prophecy of uh, Mal of uh, Malachi. It's been uh, 700 years since Isaiah. So people have been waiting. And John the Baptist is out there baptizing in the desert with water. And he's telling people to repent. The kingdom is at hand. So these, these are good questions they're asking him. They want to know, who are you? What are you doing? I think that's fair. It's not bad. And... Um, when these when these, when this conversation is going on, there's people around like this watching all this going on, and John's telling them, he's telling them what what's happening. So this is this is all very timely again. 
Also in verses 20, uh, 23 to 34, John takes on the role of a herald to the Pharisees and priests in full, full view of those crowds. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So as a herald, what his job is, is to make way and prepare the, peop- the way for the people to, uh, at, for, the, for the Lord to come. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So what did the prophet Isaiah say? say? He said, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places made plain. And the glory of our Lord will be revealed. Now, if you think about a highway, if we just take the analogy that Isaiah used, a highway, the first thing that you have to have is a big old earth mover. Because you just got countryside out there. And the earth mover has to go through and carve out a path for the road to begin. And that's what Isaiah's doing. That's what Isaiah's prophecy is. He's saying, make straight away in the desert. But you know, he's not talking about the kind of desert and the kind of highway we see out there like the 210. He's talking about our hearts. He's talking about make way in your heart. Right, we we know the heart. We know that we know what the the Bible says about the heart and how you can despicable and wicked. Isaiah is saying, make way in the in your heart for the Lord. Clear a path, clear a highway for the Lord to come because He's coming. And what did the Lord say? He said He was gonna He's gonna write His word on our hearts this time. He wasn't gonna be on tablets. He's gonna write them on our hearts. So this is what is going on here, and this is what is getting ready to happen. And this is what Isaiah and John are about. Those hills and valleys, we got hills and mountains that we think are good things, right? That we, we've done in our life. We think that's all good stuff. It ain't. No, nope. the, 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 the earth mover is going to come along and push them out of the way because they're just junk. And then we have those low spaces that we don't like to tell anybody about. But God knows about them. But he's going to fill them in for you. He will fill them in and make them level and smooth for you. That's what's being talked about here. John and Isaiah are clearing that highway in the hearts of men for the Lord to come come through. In verses 29 through 34, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. This is after the interrogation. And he says again, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. So the baptizing with water. So this is pre-resurrection. John is baptizing pre-resurrection. Jesus, Jesus hasn't, gone on the cross for us yet. So what's the, what's the difference? Well, today the baptismal is a public acknowledgement of your acceptance of the Lord, right? 
So the baptizing that John the Baptist was doing was, again, preparing that way. He was that, you know, when you're making that road and you see the, you see him put the asphalt down and you see that roller come through and it makes everything nice and smooth. That's, that's what this baptizing was doing. John was finishing the job in men's hearts with that baptismal. That baptismal was a public acknowledgement of repenting and acknowledging the sin that, that we have. And it was a public acknowledgement. Yes, I am a sinner. I do want, to, I do want the Lord. That's what, his, that's what it was. Remember, these are, pre, these, are, these are pre-resurrection. So that's what this baptism was doing. And you, again, as John is being a herald out there, you might ask the question, how does he know? Remember I said he's already baptized Jesus. And he says, and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he sent me to, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testify that this is the son of God. Now. So he's seen that. He's speaking with authority. He knows who Jesus is. And he's telling everybody, this is the Lamb of God. He's being a herald. And at this point, he has now bore witness to who Jesus is because he has seen the Holy Spirit. So if I stop here for a minute, it's time for us to ask ourselves a question. And that is, how about our witness to the Lord? When people see us, do they see the Lord? Do they see that light? What do they see? And then how do we speak? Are we following through? Because remember, Jesus gave us a commission. He left us with a great commission. And as servants, um, you know, we may not be John the Baptist, but we do have the Holy Spirit. And we do have the the calling to, to bear witness to who our Lord is. And to be salt and light in the world. So, John the Baptist did it here. It's time for us to continue to do it. Especially in the world today. Now, I said John the Baptist was a herald and fulfilled the prophecies of Isaiah and Malachi. And uh, asked the question, are we good heralds, right? So, okay. So some of y'all might be saying, what is a herald? So I have to do this. It ain't that kind of herald, because that's a herald over there. <laughs> but he's a good herald. He's a good herald. But a, let's see, what, what, is a, what is the definition? An, an official crier or messenger, one that precedes or foreshadows, one who actively promotes or advocates, advocates uh, a, per, a, a person or individual. In human history... Mortal kings always had heralds. You've seen them on TV, right? The king is coming with all his stuff and the heralds are blowing their horns and they got flags and all that. That's, that's the earthly kings, right? But John was a divine herald. He got the job done without all that stuff. So if we contrast John 
the divine herald with earthly heralds. Let's see what Matthew 3, 4 says. He says, now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. So unlike the heralds which drew attention to themselves, the earthly ones, because they were fancy. You see them now on TV when, they, when Queen Elizabeth is coming along. You know, they got the viceroys or whatever they call them with the big hats and stuff. So you're looking at them. And then, oh, okay, there's the queen. Well, it wasn't like that. John didn't, want to, didn't draw attention to himself. He cast attention onto our Lord. So he didn't have the pump and circumstance to draw attention to himself away from our king. So, again, you know, we could ask ourselves, how do we go about doing that in our daily lives? Um, how do we bring attention to Jesus? Um, you know, there's been all, there's all kinds of ways we hand out tracts, um, things of that nature. Um, but we need to do it in a way that doesn't draw attention from our God onto us. We need to point to Jesus all the time. Now, day two in the evening, this is verses 35 to 43. <clears throat> As I was reading and studying for this, I kind of got confused on the days a little bit. Um, but I think this is happening <clears throat> in the evening time. Let me make sure I didn't get out of step here, guys. Yeah, okay, we're gonna we're on cue here. We're gonna keep going. You know what? Four o'clock. But before four o'clock, I missed something here, and I don't I don't have my note page, so I'm gonna wing it. Going to wing it. Um, and that is the first disciples. The first disciples. And this is, this is really, it's, it's important because um, of, of who they are. So Jesus gathers on, the, on, the, on that second day when the disciple, when Jesus, uh, when John heralds, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Two of the disciples he picked up two disciples. And um, in the scripture, let's go back to the scripture. The scripture can help us out. He picked up two, the, the, uh, two disciples. And one of them was Simon, right? And his brother. Okay? So he picks up those two disciples on this same day. This is before this four o'clock, this, this four o'clock meeting that we're going to go through. Now, what's important there is there's actually three disciples. So we've got Peter or Simon, and we've got Andrew, and who else? Not yet. Not yet. John. That's right. So there's actually three disciples there. Is actually three. So John, John the, the the apostle is actually is actually there. 
So I didn't want to, I didn't want of us to, uh, to miss that. All right. So now let's go back to, so that happened in the morning. Let's go back to the evening. Our Lord, our Lord's first words began his ministry, the first gathering and the testimony, uh, uh, of him, of himself. I think of this day as a day that the torch is actually passed from John the Baptist to the man Jesus. John again heralds, behold the Lamb of God. And this time, two of John, okay, I, I picked it up here. Two of, two, of, two of the disciples leave and follow Jesus. And this is where Jesus uh, asked them, what do you seek? Now, all of this, the uh, scholars that I read said that these are actually the first words that he spoke in his ministry. So if you think about them, they seem very innocent. They seem like very innocent words. What do you seek? But as usual, our Lord is always on point. What, what seems simple to us at first, when you dig down underneath, it's not that simple, right? Because he's asking them, what do you seek? And isn't that what he asked us? He really, that's all he asks us is, what is it you need? What can I do for you? Comes in many different ways. Um, I would ask you, I do, I've done it myself. I would ask you, have you asked yourself lately, what is it you truly want? What is the desire of your heart? heart? And is the world able to provide it to you? We should be seeking our Lord and his righteousness because he says he'll provide all that for you. So that's what he's asking is what do you seek? He's always on task. Now we come to the next day. And by the way, Jesus has picked up Philip and Nathaniel at this point. He's at I'm going to slip those two, two other uh, disciples in on you. And he says to them, follow me to Philip and Nathaniel. Now, again, as I read the, the uh, supporting information for a lot of this, a lot of scholars say that this is the first calling that Jesus did. This is the first time he called someone to say, follow me. Now, we can ask ourselves again, are we following him today? You know, um, what is it that we do every day in our daily lives? I know we all, we all do it. We all get caught up in the day-to-day things that are our operations that are going on. So, but we still need to follow Jesus because that's what he asked us to do. Now, the next things that happen, I find there's humor here. In, in my opinion, there's humor here. Maybe others don't see it this way, but I see it as, as, as humor. Because there's an exchange between Philip and Nathaniel. And it's concerning Jesus coming from Nazareth. And this is where... Uh, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So if, I, if we were to translate that into today, today's vernacular, it would be like the guys from the hood. 
what, you know, is he, who, who is he, right? Because as I was reading, I, I guess Nazareth and Galilee, their surrounding area was a lot of Gentile. It's where a lot of Gentiles lived. And Nathaniel was a Jew. He was Jewish. So he's, he's thinking, yeah, this guy comes from a place where there's nothing but a bunch of Gentiles, and we know what they are. Uh, because remember, the Lord's ministry is just starting, and his ministry was to the Jew first, and then the Gentile. But as we all know, the Jews didn't come around to his way of seeing things just yet. So he went on to the Gentiles. But, so there, there's the humor there. But then the Lord, he, 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 in my opinion, with his next, with the Lord's statement here, in my opinion, he, he demonstrates a sense of humor, but he also accomplishes what I think might be the, you know, we don't start, talk, start talking about miracles until chapter two, uh, where Jesus turns water into wine. But I think this is a, this is a miracle because what he does here is he says, Jesus says, Behold, he's talking about Nathaniel. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. It's like, really? So he mocks Nathaniel's statement, right? But Jesus, about Jesus, his earthly origin. However, it's also clear that Jesus is able to see in Nathaniel's heart. Not that what Nathaniel thought was bad, but it was a demonstration of the Lord reading the hearts of men. That's the way I see it. And he let Nathaniel know it. How do you know who? How do you know me? Jesus answered him, "Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, and I saw you." So, at this point, Nathaniel acknowledges and testifies who Christ is, and he answered and said to him, "Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel." But Jesus goes deeper on him. Jesus goes a little bit, not a little bit, but a lot deeper in verse 50 and 51 when he says to Nathaniel, he says, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, he's, he was talking to Nathaniel. He's also talking to the, the other disciples. He's also talking to me and you. For Nathaniel, as a Jew, this references to, I believe, is to the Jacob's letter where J Jacob saw angels going back and forth to heaven. So only Nathaniel would, probably in the group, only Nathaniel would be keyed in on that. And he probably was thinking that. He might have been thinking that while he was sitting there by that tree. So Jesus is showing him again, I know who you are and I know what's in your heart. But let me tell you, it's not going to go out that. It's not going to work out that way. It's not going to be like Jacob's ladder. He says, I, he's, he's letting him know, I am the son of man. This is Jesus' testimony to who he is, of who he is, to his, his disciples. And this is a message he's going to carry forth as he goes out into the world. So something that, again, we all need to keep 
our hearts focused on, keep that way, that desert, that highway in the desert, keep it clear. I know we get some potholes in it now and then. I don't know about the mountains and the, and the hills, um, but we certainly get some potholes. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to keep filling us and keep filling those potholes. Let's keep that highway smooth and keep, and keep a way clear for the Lord to come to our hearts and stay in our hearts. Okay. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you again, Lord, for this time. And thank you for your word, Lord. Just remind us as we go throughout our daily task, Lord, as we get get out of bed in the morning and go out to the world, Lord. Just remind us of who we are in you and to keep that road open to you, Lord. Keep that channel open to you and to hear you, Lord, and to be the the light, to be that that shining light, Lord, to be... To, to shine your light. Let your light shine through us into the world, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks.